Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Well, I know it was a bit of a rainy Saturday here in the Mid-Atlantic, but uh, Sunday was just this gorgeous fall day. Um, I was out pumpkin carving with my youth group uh, on Sunday. Uh, One of our members hosted it, and we had about a dozen of us with all these pumpkins, and the sun was setting, and the fall leaves were turning colors and falling all around us, and got to carve pumpkins with Eileen, and Angelina was there, and a a bunch of, you know, just really great time. It's like, this is a great time of year. I love love the fall you know sort of sort of mid-fall it's just it's a it's a wonderful wonderful time of year and like when's the last time you did pumpkin carving bro um i think i carved a pumpkin a couple of years ago i forget where i was but i definitely went for it <laughs> and i and I, ca- <laughs> I carved some pumpkins with a couple of people it's a sloppy mess but it's a lot of fun it's um, fun it's like creative it's like it's sort of like this uh, you know especially when you have have kids yeah it's sort of like this like, excuse to like have this like I've fun even, creative outlet we even had an extra pumpkin i think when i when i uh, did that last and again it was maybe a couple years ago and we made some pumpkin risotto with a leftover pumpkin meat uh, wow. so yeah, it was really delicious, but, um, you know, you're talking about great weather down there, Andy. Um, well, I guess up there because I'm down in, uh, Southern Utah and I have spent a few days in, in Northern Arizona, uh, and in the Grand Canyon National Park in the North Rim. And, a, uh, a couple of days before I got here, um, uh, they had had a foot of snowfall on the North Rim. So it's, oh, it's some full- of those pictures you sent were just yeah, unbelievably stunning. beautiful, dude. The, uh, oh. the Grand Canyon gets really, really gorgeous um, uh, when they get fresh snowfall on the North Rim. Because the North Rim gets up to like I think ninety five hundred feet in some places, um, and where I was hiking along was in the eight to nine thousand foot range. Uh, so yeah, I mean we I've seen uh, there's there's bison out there, there's you know, free range bison out there, there's elk, there's coyotes, um, and and the wildlife is beautiful. The aspens are changing, and uh, yeah, so I'm in I'm in Kanab, Utah, at a Trail Angels house for this episode. And if you don't know what a Trail Angel is, a Trail Angel is someone who lives near uh, um, you know a trail or a, you know a significant hiking area that takes in strangers and puts them up and uh, you know allows them to to kind of have a little taste of of um some 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 goodness that otherwise they'd be just staying in a motel and not not having any um any hometown home home cooking excuse me or or you know just uh, the 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 positive vibes of, of wanting to be taken care of as you're, as you're hiking along. And, and I, I'm, I'm down here finishing up some miles on the Hey Duke route, which I was unable to complete in spring, uh, due to the, uh, absolute extreme temperatures in the Grand Canyon. Uh, so here I am and now I've got some miles in front of me, uh, hopefully in the Zion, uh, national park to close out my, close out my hike on the Hey Duke. So I'll be dealing with a couple of, um, I don't necessarily have the most conducive uh, recording environment here. There's a guy out, out on the outside of the house here working on the stucco. They have other people kind of coming and going that that are travelers here, um, and uh, a couple of dogs upstairs. And and I'm actually recording next to a bathroom sink. 
<laughs> so, so you know, I'm just trying to make it make it all work, and and uh, hey, man, I'm happy. shows your shows your commitment. <laughs> yeah. Shows your commitment to this podcast sure. and to this team that you would that you would set aside time in such a circumstance to to talk about. <laughs> You know, a it, game that happened on Saturday. Oh my gosh. Speaking of like Halloween and pumpkin carving and jack-o'-lanterns and, and nightmares. nightmares. <laughs> and horrors. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So um, I also so had gonna... to bring the equipment with me too. So I had to travel from yeah. Denver to Las Vegas and then catch, I flew from Denver to Las Vegas and I and I caught a, a, a bus from Las Vegas to St. George, Utah. And then I caught a ride from St. George, Utah to Kanab, Utah. And it's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun lugging all the extra stuff around. That's for sure. <laughs> Fun sounds oh, but I forgot, like the right I word. I forgot my tripod uh, that holds the microphone. So I'm physically holding the microphone today. And if you hear some jostling, it's because uh, the microphone's shifting in my hands. So you have to deal with, with not just sounds from outside the room, but sounds from me moving in the microphone potentially. So just, just deal with it and we'll get through this together. <laughs> deal with it. Deal hey, with it and we'll can... get through this together. Like we hopefully can get through this week together. Hopefully. Yes. This is going to be a group effort. Uh, um, so yeah, we've, we've been avoiding, we've been avoiding talking about what just happened with this Illinois disaster. Um, we are going to talk about it. Um, we're going to try to do it in a way that will enable us to get through. This is going to be like group therapy in some respects. We're going to deal with the reality and talk our way through it, um, before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna do some news and notes. We're gonna talk about the um, stuff that's going on around college football, like we normally do. Then we're gonna do the Illinois postmortem, and I do mean postmortem because there was a lot of death that happened on on and postmortem depression so, as well. Yeah, the post. I think you mean postpartum depression. No, it's postmortem <laughs> depression. Hundred percent. Oh my gosh! And then we'll do what might be even more. Pardon me. This is, is post mortem. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> um, after we after we look at that Illinois game, we're gonna we're gonna also uh, look ahead at Ohio State, which is coming up mm. uh, on the heels. I prepared uh, some fun information for that segment. <laughs> yeah. So um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, the best way to handle it is just to uh, yeah, let's take a look <laughs> at some of our news and notes. And notes. Yeah. So the first, the first thing to uh, just mention is that um, on the heels of this Illinois game, uh, Penn State did make history on Saturday. I certainly did. <laughs> I certainly made history. Um, you know, this is like history in terms of infamy, of course. Um, and, and the wrong side of history. Oh my gosh! In in participating in the first ever nine overtime college football game and um yeah penn state will own that record for all eternity well until uh, until the next one until the because the well, obviously the format lends itself to possibly get going more than that you know this yeah, is the we'll first year this format, format. just like is, yeah just like um who was it texas a&m lsu had the first ever seven that, overtime games, and we, we still remember that. People will always remember but there's this. Been, there's, did I read there's been four, five total seven overtime games? 
Yeah, but that's what they remember they the, the Texas A&M LSU one as the first one. They did it. Oh, so, there's been four since, and then they changed the rules to another. Sorry. Okay, I'll go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. We're, we're, so we're gonna <laughs> we're we are gonna touch on that a little bit later, but um, we'll we'll we'll, we'll move on for now. The other uh, news and notes as it relates to Penn State is that wow, we really tumbled suck deep into the. <laughs> Uh, AP poll, uh, we're all the way down to number 20, dropped uh, 13 spots. I, you know, you can make honestly, the claim that we shouldn't even be there right now. I, and a part of me wonders how we yeah. even made it to the, into the well, poll at l- all. Listen, listen, there's a chance that we'll slide right out of that pretty easily moving forward. <laughs> so it's forestalling the inevitable, perhaps. Yeah. But um, hey, let's just sort of uh, take a step back and talk about some of the other things that were going around the college football world this past week. Um, honestly, Outside of Penn State, um, not a whole lot of movement in the top 25. There were a few other close games, a few games that started out close, um, a handful of other upsets um, in in the poll. But let's just sort of talk about some of the uh, more notable ones. Uh, first of all, number two, Cincinnati. They struggled with an unranked Navy team. Uh, they squeaked by 27 to 20. It looked like, you know, for a good part of that game that, um, you know, Cincinnati was vulnerable. They they managed to, uh, you know, to do what good teams do and, you know, not succumb to, uh, um, to an unranked team, a, a lesser team. Good teams. Hmm. Okay. I've just, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, speaking well, of. Hey, hey, well, so also to, to that point, an unranked Appalachian State. Appalachian, wherever you're from, however you pronounce it, be a previously undefeated top 15 Coastal Carolina. So that pretender's gone um, yeah. for, for what it's worth. And that was a Wednesday game, if anyone was paying attention to anything. Wednesday game. Wow. Yeah. What is this world coming to? <laughs> I don't know. There's not, there's <laughs> um, not a single day. Tuesday's the only day there's no, no football of any sort. The rest of the days all have football now. <laughs> What's wrong with Tuesday? I, I don't know. It's too close to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would be one thing if, like, these midweek games were actually decent, interesting to watch games, but they're typically just trash if I, games. If I hadn't been traveling or preparing to travel on Wednesday, uh, I probably would have watched Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State. You know, that's not would've. saying a lot, bro. You would watch pretty much any football game that's available. Yeah, I didn't watch Tulane SMU, but Appalachian State is kind of <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian State is kind of no. <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian. By the way, that was a Thursday game, and Appalachian State uh, is is kind of like you know they 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 have some fun games and they've got some good athletes. So I you know I, I yeah I watch more than your average bear uh, when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to football um, so, for sure. So moving on, um, you know, uh, right next to number two Cincinnati, number three Oklahoma. Uh, speaking of a team that that. We, I still wondering, are they good? They, they keep winning, but they barely beat uh, Kansas. They had, a, they had a first half scoreless against Kansas. They were down ten to nothing, and I, it was happening during the Penn State game as well. And I was watching both games simultaneously. And I mean, they they ran away with it in the fourth quarter. That was the problem. They twenty one yep. points in the fourth quarter for uh, for Oklahoma is what really sealed the deal. Yeah, somehow uh, they got their offense together by the end of that game. One in five, uh-huh. Kansas too. By the way, yeah, right. Caleb Williams got the got his uh, was it his second career start or his, yep, yeah, got a second career start. Um, you know the whole debacle with Spencer Rattler changing his Instagram bio to just saying quarterback and not quarterback at OU, which then he changed it back. But also he unfollowed Caleb Caleb Williams on Instagram, so that's oh my happening. Gosh. <laughs> 
what are these high school girls? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, that's the generations of, of you know, yeah. the, uh, what's going on I with the younger generations it. now. But but yeah. So I mean, wouldn't you just rather have a like a, a fight outside the school, like behind the bike racks, rather than like <laughs> doing that well, kind of so, crap? So everybody just assumed that that Caleb Williams would come out and steamroll Kansas, and yeah. he did not. And and now he wound up having a a, a pretty darn good game at the end, um, and and had a couple of really incredible plays to really you know propel Oklahoma to the to the <laughs> to the winners circle in that game. But you, you did not expect the the kind of start in that game against a one and five Kansas, and it it still kind of leaves this this room for like is what's going on with Spencer Rattler. And I mean, heck, if if Caleb Williams gets injured. Rattler's the man next up, so there's a lot, yep. a lot to be, a lot going on still there. There's still four more regular season games for Oklahoma, and of course the the Big Twelve championship game. And who knows? You know, you never, you never know. We might see Rattler again uh, on for a start at Oklahoma before the season's up. But some, yep. it's a storyline to watch, and, and a national storyline to watch to see who who's going to be playing, who's going to be playing with Spencer Rattler on their team next year. Speaking of the Big 12, um, just last week I was saying, boy, that uh, Red Rivel, River rivalry. Rivel. Drivel. <laughs> the Red Drivel rivalry. <laughs> the Red <laughs> River rivalry is looking really interesting because you've got undefeated Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma State. And uh, Oklahoma managed to avoid upset, but Oklahoma State did not. They right. got beat by. I told Iowa you State. that Iowa State game yeah. was. Uh, the Iowa State yep. team is the kind of team that beats a, an undefeated Oklahoma State game. Or yep, it was teams, a close one 24 uh, 21. Um, Oklahoma State just couldn't make it happen. Uh, they they got their first loss of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we should also mention the number ten Oregon. Um, you know the, the the one team that's beaten Ohio State this year, and then uh, you know uh, laid an egg against Stanford. Uh, oh, that one loss Oregon team went into uh, Pasadena. Uh, it's a game day game. Uh, the crew was at, and it turned out to be a pretty good one. Uh, Oregon managed to come away with a thirty four to thirty one victory over Chip Kelly's. Bruins of USC. It, it was a good game, real good game. Um, yeah. By the way, um, you mentioned this the other week. Uh, the Rose Bowl itself was like half full. Yeah, like this is a, like they, they were one of the most two. beautiful settings to watch college football. The, the UCLA's got a decent team this year. They don't even have. They literally cover up most of the of the of the stands with like this whole like giant like plastic huge sweeping um section like logo uh, stuff or whatever yeah it just says UCLA yeah. it literally covers up most of the end zone on each side i think it's each side they cover it up and it and even then the it was like half full in the third quarter and it was still a game that's what they like, do a lot of what? times in like huge churches that have really small like yeah. congregations. Yeah, they yeah, like yeah. they rope off all the pews yep. in the back yep. and on bring the them side. in close, get them, yeah, get them bring down them in close. close. <laughs> yeah, but this is a number ten matchup with UCLA, where they were favored. Yeah. They were favored to win, and I just it's, USC is the same way. It's, I think it's just LA in general. Like you can't keep fans interested in your team when like there's other sports that matter to you, or just or just you never cared to begin with because who cares about colleges in, in LA? I mean, USC 
back in the um, Pete, uh, Pete Carroll days when they were winning big time. I mean, they had it rolling. Oh, yeah. The Coliseum was full. I mean, it's sure. definitely a, but they're a what weather. have you done for me lately kind of town. Yeah, absolutely. Which sucks for if you're UCLA and you're trying to recruit. They're like, hey, check Penn State, even in their worst years, can still recruit that we have fans in the stands that are that are rabid, that you know, will pack the stands, will will we'll show up on on Saturday. You know, obviously the Illinois game was a, a rainy game and and after a, a, a loss uh to Iowa, it wasn't a packed house for Penn State, but it wasn't like wide sweeping holes in the audience other than the student section, which is like, you know, the Students are a totally different anomaly when it comes to uh, showing up for a, a bad game. Um, so yeah, you just you know you gotta you gotta you gotta support your team. But if you don't if you don't have the fans that care, it's it's tough to tough to pack the stands it's, in a, you know in one of the also, biggest stadiums in the country. I know, right? It's also um, one of the kind of features I think of of urban colleges. You know, you just don't have the same kind of. Uh, loyalty developed, like you said, there's just so much else to do. Well, think Whereas, about, like, yeah. I mean, if when you come to Penn State or like Nebraska or Iowa or where you know some of these places that are more rural, uh, more in the midwestern part of the country, like that is your activity. The only for game the in town <laughs> year. Like, yeah. that's like yeah. all you yeah. have to look forward to. It's why we have um, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so so totally. i mean i mean yeah also think about this like la getting around la traffic wise who wants to who wants to tr- like go through the trouble of of driving or taking public uh transportation or dealing with parking or pay- the cost of of parking and and i don't know man it's just it's probably a real pain in the butt to get around to to go to a game at in at usc or ucla and mind you by the way ucla is how far from pasadena you know like how far is is the, it's, you know, it's like all the way across town it's like, like it's like, totally the opposite you side can of town. walk from the bars in madison easily to camp randall you could yeah. walk from downtown Penn State to, to Beaver Stadium. People do it. The people will park on campus and walk to the walk to Beaver Stadium. You can't do that at UCLA. And yeah, if you want to yeah. do that at USC, you might get shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, <laughs> um, well, uh, hey, let's leave the Pac-12 for a moment and yeah. uh, just head over to the ACC. There was uh, an incredible game uh, unfolding with their last undefeated team, Wake Forest was in a dogfight with Army. Who would have thought this game would have this kind of scoring in it? It So <laughs> Wake Forest did manage to win. They pulled away in the end for the final score of, get this, 56 to 70. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. By the way, game, the game was at Army, too. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, so Army had over 400 yards rushing. Meanwhile, and and by the way, they had over 400 yards rushing, and their leading rusher only had 104 yards rushing. So they were using lots of dudes. Lots to do that. of different. Yeah, dudes. that's why. Um, meanwhile, Wake Forest had over 450 yards passing. Yeah, yeah, 458 uh, yards passing, five five touchdowns, zero interceptions. The guy was almost perfect. Sam Hartman was 23 of 29. It was pretty amazing. There were over 1,200 yards of total offense in that game, dude. <laughs> so no defense so. is what you're saying. Uh, over 120 points scored um, with no overtimes. I mean, wow! No overtimes. No. How overtimes. do you score? How do you score that many points with no overtimes? <laughs> you, just, 
That's <laughs> a lot of scoring. Um, oh, gosh. It was like th- that's like the exact polar opposite and inverse of the Penn State game <laughs> this past you couldn't weekend. Be further, you couldn't be further away from what was going on in oh, our, in our game than, than this game. That's for certain. I mean, it, it, it took like how many overtimes just to <laughs> score, just to get the ball into the end zone? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, um, anyway. Or a two-point conversion, uh, you mean? <laughs> Yeah, well, two like, points. They mark them as two points. Like the, why? I mean, the other I can't, the, I can't. the first two overtimes were traded field goals. So it was like I until can't. the like eighth overtime before <laughs> the end zone was visited. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, um, so meanwhile, um, NC State. Uh, this is back in the ACC. They uh, were the number eighteen team in the country. This is another upset. Uh, they fell to a not good Miami team. In the Orange Bowl, um, they lost thirty to thirty-one. Um, yeah, NC I State, mean, <laughs> they, get this: they kicked a field goal with five minutes left to get within one. Right, good job, NC State. Yeah. They got the ball back with three minutes left, but didn't get a didn't first do it, down. Didn't, yeah. So the ACC is a basically a total conundrum compared to what they've been doing for years there with Clemson leading the leading the pack and um, you know outside of Pittsburgh and Wake Forest you don't really have any consistency of of what these teams are doing and um, you know which brings us to the next game Pittsburgh versus Clemson yes. you know Clemson's offense yet again for I think the fifth straight week failed to produce more than 20 or 21 points like it's it's bad they, they switched quarterbacks um yeah um dj uyangalele was benched yeah um for tyson <laughs> famachan uh, or something I, th- I think that's how you pronounce his name which by the way i thought he was going to transfer in the offseason and i was even lobbying at least within our text chain um, yeah for him to come to penn i state. was lobbying for him to come to penn state um but he did not look like he had much to and pittsburgh is like i don't know if it's if we're just waiting for them to crumble at some point but they have not shown signs of of being a a the, the Pittsburgh of old. I mean, they did lose to Western Michigan forty four to forty one earlier in the season. But I think you know that's their one. Like, hey, wake up, figure it out. And then they went on next week to score seventy seven against University of New Hampshire. They went on the next week to score fifty two against Georgia Tech. And in the last two weeks, they've scored uh, close to thirty points each week. So they're they're on a roll, and their defense is playing pretty pretty darn good since that that whooping they they took from Western Michigan. Yeah, um, I mean. Pickett, uh, their quarterback, uh, he's being talked about as a Heisman hopeful at this point. I mean, he's apparently having a very good season. And I would say, you know, now that they've gotten past uh, Clemson, I mean, Pittsburgh seems to have like they've got a clear path to well, the title game. They've got, well, I don't know about a clear, they have a clear path if they run the table. Absolutely. Now, but they still have to go through Miami. Uh, they still have to uh, beat you know, play at Duke. They have to beat UNC. They have to beat you know the University of Virginia Cavaliers, and then Syracuse I mean, to close on, it out. On that, so they could on lose that two ske- of those. They could lose two on that. Of those. Ske- I don't know. On that schedule, to me, Virginia is the only team UNC. that's been playing with any. I'm saying back to back UNC UVA. They could drop those two. Well, and UNC it, has not been the team that they, they expected are, to be. They are capable, is what I'm saying. They are All right. capable. Uh, fair enough. Well, in, in any case, um, uh, interesting. It'd be interesting. I mean, how fascinating would it be to see? Pittsburgh be the ACC champion? Uh, not it wouldn't be fascinating from a Penn State uh, perspective. 
You know, the last thing that we need is... <laughs> That's the last it, thing it, that we need. I mean, listen, I'm happy Clemson lost another game. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I am thoroughly enjoying Dabo uh, wallowing like a fish out of water in, in these in, during the games, during, during the post games, during the week in his press conferences. He is obviously... You know, having a tough year, and it and it and it soothes my my own uh, you know wallows <laughs> to, to watch Dabo uh, continue to have. Helps a, have you feel a tough better year. about your misery to see That's someone right. more That's miserable right. than you. Absolutely, misery loves company. <laughs> um, so, but Pittsburgh now, now that now that they they've beaten Clemson. I definitely want to see them lose two, three, maybe the rest of their games. It would be very nice for, as a Penn State fan to to not see I'll that Pittsburgh. It. I'll take it. You know, you know, recruiting wheel get really spinning at all because we've lost some recruits to them over the years, and and we don't need to lose any more to them moving forward. Yeah, and obviously the last thing you know we want from that perspective is to see Pittsburgh somehow get their way into the college football playoff before Penn State. Right. Oh my gosh! Please, for the love of <laughs> for the love of Pete, please never let that happen. Um, hey, to our buddy Joel's uh, credit, he he um he, you know we, you and I we were having a little discussion. Like, would you rather see Pittsburgh or Clemson uh, lose this game? And he was adamant about he wanted Pittsburgh to lose. You know, but you and I were on the coin the side of the coin where we're like we're tired of Clemson. You know, being the 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 staple in the college football playoff, and we just you know the, and and by the way, shut to, the door to, on Clemson for, well, for but. Clemson has has uh, won a lot of recruiting battles against Penn State over the years. That's um, also true. Brian Brian Breesey or Brise, I forget how you pronounce his last name, who's a defensive end for them that or tackle or whatever that got he's actually done for the year with an injury, I think. Um, but uh, he, he we lost a battle with Clemson for him, and he was a five star. We lost a battle for Christian Wilkinson, who is a an NFL uh, amazing rookie right now for the Miami Dolphins, and he was a five star for Clemson that you know was drafted in the first round had an incredible career for them so we've lost out on some big time recruits to clemson so so this so it's like you know (laughs) watching clemson get beat is good for penn state's national recruiting profile um but you know obviously the in-state recruiting profile pittsburgh uh, getting some steam there is not great for us and 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 like i was saying joel was like no we do not want pittsburgh to get there (laughs) to get their machine moving with pat narduzzi that opens the door for Pittsburgh to yeah have have a you know lightning in a bottle kind of season. So I agree with you. We are now f- thoroughly and firmly rooting against Pittsburgh for yep. the rest of the big, way. big time. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so we didn't mention any Big Ten teams. So let's uh, look around the Big Ten now. Uh, number oh, wait, five. Before, before you do that, real quick, uh, you know, a, 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 an Ed Orgeron post firing but still on the sideline um they 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 went on into Lynn Kate Lynn Kiffin's old miss uh you know down there um in in Oxford Mississippi and and they they laid an egg against against them and and, and Ole miss uh who was who was ranked 12th I think they might be in the in the top 10 now uh, and with a Heisman Trophy front runner right now, Matt Coral, they won thirty-one to seventeen. And and, and the real, only reason I mention that is because you know uh, LSU continuing to lose. Um, the sweepstakes for for their coach uh, remains very open, uh, and 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 Franklin's name is continuing to be tossed around uh, for that, and so it's definitely a, a team and and uh, to be kept an eye on. However, a lot of people are also thinking uh, Lane Kiffin might be uh, suited for for that LSU job as well. So that's just uh, from a Penn State relevance uh, conversation. Franklin's name still in the mix there, but but we'll see how that works out for the rest of the season. All right, we good? 
No. Yeah, I mean, can I can I talk about the Big Ten now? Uh, Alabama won fifty two to twenty four against Tennessee. All right, now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just whatever. Andy, continue, yeah. please. <laughs> so Big Ten, um, number five, Ohio State steamrolled Indiana fifty four to seven. They're looking every bit the class of the Big Ten. Um, oh yeah, and guess what? They're who we play next week, which we'll get into later in the show. Um, so moving on, uh, mm-hmm. number six, Michigan in a close one versus Northwestern at the half leading just 10 to seven, but then they pulled away to win comfortably 33. Just defense didn't, didn't give up a point in the, in the second half against Northwestern. So the, yeah, and they the just, dream, they, the dream was dead before it ever really yeah, and the <laughs> got Python the ground. of, uh, Michigan's ground game offense slow plotting efficient offense just um yeah just chipped you know away we'll, and- we'll have a chance to talk about michigan you know in a few weeks uh when we play them but you know i they're seven and oh now they're ranked inside the top six are, what are they fifth yet are they still sixth i don't even know um but uh so they're six right now it, it'll be really interesting um to see what Michigan has for the second half of their season. Um, and will they just, you know, because being ranked sixth in the country, as we know, being ranked fourth in the country is well and good and all. But if you can't continue to to, to win the games, it's all for naught almost. And it's almost like it's almost yeah. the higher you that Michigan climbs, the harder they're going to fall. And those those Michigan fans, those blue, blue, maize and blue fans are, are going to come crashing down on Harbaugh <laughs> if they can't beat Ohio State. Yeah, you know. Well, I feel like it's at this time every year that we start saying, "Why are we? Why are we even bothering with polls up to this point in the season?" True. I mean, it's, it's just it's just like it's true. It's meaningless to say two weeks ago Penn State was number four because guess what? We pretty much figured out that there's no way Penn State qualifies as the fourth best team in the country at this point. Nope. Um, so, um, it, Big Ten, um, another Big Ten matchup. This one that has zero relevance to Penn State for the most part, other than a, a former opponent. Um, it's the final top 25, quote-unquote, upset of the week when unranked Wisconsin knocked off Purdue following their big upset of Iowa. Um, Purdue was ranked number 25 for all of three seconds. <laughs> and then um, got hey, They had by. the number five scoring defense in the country, dude. Like, yeah. And Wisconsin was a floundering offense. And it's really confusing that you're playing a home game. I mean, I guess what it is is, you know, it's one of those, like, you play a hard yeah. game where you got to get emotionally up for a team like Iowa, and then the next week you just crap your pants. So it's yep, that's, they, not, that's not a one them. that's not a Penn State problem. That's a that's a countrywide and NCAA wide problem with 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 these these kids these uh these eighteen to twenty two year olds. Yeah, and um, final score was uh, thirty to thirteen. So a game that was neither close nor low scoring for Purdue's defense. I mean, whatever whatever magic they had. I mean, I, I would say Iowa and Wisconsin, at least from the games that Penn State played, were pretty similarly built teams. And so whatever yeah. magic Purdue, you know, whipped up uh, against Wisconsin, they weren't able to replicate uh, against. Excuse me. Whatever they were able to do against Iowa, they weren't able to replicate right, against right. Wisconsin. Um, last Big Ten game. There were only five Big Ten games this past weekend, by the way. Um, a couple of buys, apparently. Um, but uh, Minnesota shellacked the Terrapins. Get it? Five and two at the Shell- top of the shellac. West. Yeah, I get it. They're turtles. <laughs> oh, I get it, Andy. Turtle wax. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so uh, you know, this is a five and two Minnesota team, which hasn't really played too many uh, good teams yet. I guess you could say the, the Nebraska win is a good one, and but um, uh, they they who did they lose to earlier in the season? They well, they got beat by Ohio State to start. Which Bowling they Green, well. Bowling like Green, that's embarrassed right. by Bowling yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah. So they got their one slip up that's not Ohio State, uh, and they've been running the table ever since. And and like I said, they they are at the top of the West uh, standings right now. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. uh, that was a by the way a thirty-four to sixteen game. So again, whatever happened to Maryland's high-powered offense? It's just nowhere they, to be seen. They just don't have the press. They play. don't have the. The, the you know the prestige or the depth yet to kind of like they don't have the experience to to ride high and stay high. But then again, neither does Penn State. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, yeah. So that's your that's your news and notes. Um, wrapping up. Uh, basically, the top six teams remain unchanged, uh, with only Alabama and Oklahoma swapping places between uh, number three and four. Um, Alabama now number three. Um, the the rest of the rankings. Uh, you know. A few teams moved up to fill in the spots that were vacated by Penn State and Oklahoma State. Um, you know, it was it was an interesting, but you know, wasn't quite as radically shifting. Uh, you, you know, a, a week as as we've seen some other ones. Unfortunately, Penn State was the headliner uh, in terms of the uh, the upset uh, news for the week, and uh, we had to to bear the. You know, terrible emotional burden of watching that game unfold. Well, well, that's. I mean, the, let's put it in some per, some historical perspective here, Andy. The reason why it headlined the week is because it's probably Penn State's worst loss in our lifetime. I, I mean, mean it, it probably is the six to four loss to Iowa, while being absolutely pathetic and the a game we will never forget. At least Penn State was an unranked, you know, four out of five season losing program playing an Iowa team that, that, you know, we didn't even have an offensive team at all back then. You know, we, we hadn't come into the modern era in offense yet, really, when it, uh, back in 2004 when we played that 6-4 to four game. But, you know, we are a top 10 team, I mean, according to the polls, um, going into that game, home, homecoming against a two and five Illinois that has a brand new coach and hit that the the you know Brett Bielema's uh, first season with 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 Illinois and he just you know a, a few days earlier a week earlier whatever Bielema had been ripping his own personnel had been ripping his own you know the the, the cupboards were left bare by by um, what's his face Lovey Smith. So he, I mean, obviously that lit a fire under that team, but, but the point is he wasn't wrong. You know, his, that, that the, the roster they have is not the roster that Penn state has. And here, here Penn state goes and lays the biggest of all. And, and the insult to injury, just being the, the nine overtimes where you just can't get over the hump. And we had, so we had at least what, three or four opportunities to win that game in overtimes. Yeah. And we just couldn't, couldn't capitalize. Yeah, I mean, uh, so obviously we be endlessly debatable and unable to resolve whether this was the the worst loss in Penn State history. I said our our lifetime. I said in our, our lifetime. lifetime or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I you know the other way you could measure it is like how much Penn State was favored, twenty you know, and, and then and then right. to go ahead and 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 lose. But look, I, I mean, 
you kind of jumped the gun because I I had it all planned out. Sorry, I had it all planned <laughs> out that we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this as much as we can. And we're gonna we did this last year. Okay, <laughs> to kind of like <laughs> oh, raise oh, our raise oh. our spirits. Hold on, raise our spirits <laughs> when when we're dealing with some some disaster. And and so what I thought we'd do is is to come up with you know, some potential movie titles that would characterize <sighs> what we witnessed this past weekend. And I'm going to start us off. Go for it. Uh, I'm going Little Shop of Horrors. Because <laughs> 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 first of all, it's self-explanatory. That right. was just right. a, a t- an unfolding of horror after horror. And like literally the only way that you could enjoy watching that game from the perspective of a Penn State fan is if you're the Bill Murray character in Little Shop of Horrors, which I don't know the last time that people have seen that 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 movie, or if you've ever seen it. By the way, if you've ever seen it, it's worth it. (laughs) Worth it. It's um, it's a it's a a musical uh, Hollywood, not Hollywood, a Broadway musical. Um, and um, in it there's this uh, sadistic dentist played by Steve Martin in the movie. And it's this, one of his funniest characters of all time <laughs> and this or strangest. <laughs> yeah. Strangest for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and this masochistic, uh, dental patient. And so like, of course, Steve Martin as a dentist gets his kicks from making people feel excruciating pain when they go to the dentist, which kicks I mean, would be an understatement. He gets, yeah. <laughs> there's some seriously twisted, uh, <laughs> enjoyment that he gets from, from, giving extreme pain to his dental patients. Yeah. And this would be, you know, the analogy here is this would be the rest of the college football world looking on while Penn state had to go through that. And they're laughing at us and enjoying it. The only way, if you're a Penn state fan to enjoy it is the Bill Murray character loves the pain. And yeah. he actually, he's like, Oh yeah, bring oh, it yeah. on. Like he gets to the, oh, yeah. the jam. <laughs> <laughs> he's like can't, he's like screaming candy bar because he like either he gets a candy bar later or I don't even remember. The, but he, I, I he wanted a root canal. <laughs> Please give me a root canal. Goes, I've been goes, waiting I've been all month. Saving for up it. all my money for and I desperately need. I'm very sure I need a root canal. A very slow, painful he, root canal. And he enjoys the whole experience to the point that Steve Martin is utterly disgusted and yeah. kicks him out. So who's the Steve office. Martin character again here? <laughs> this is the college football world, and the only okay. way if you're a Penn State fan, if you're going to enjoy it, is if you if you just if you just love. Well, you know, if you, you know, love the pain. Having said that, Andy, I do recall a few times during the, and I don't remember which overtime this was, where I just could do nothing but laugh. All you can do is laugh. Yeah. At this point, is laugh at what what you're seeing here because because it it was laughable what we were looking at it, from a oh, you know so laughable. an objective place in 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 life or in, in the world or from a fan's life. I, I I didn't know what else to do. I, it was a nightmare. Do you so do you have a do you have a um a movie uh title that that's that this experience Well the first one to? that came to, to my mind is is Groundhog Day what obviously another Bill Murray obviously. film Obviously um but we also touched on Groundhog Day last year because we did a segment like this last year and I forget <laughs> if it was at the was it after our second or third or fourth loss something or, like that yeah you know uh, in a row and and you know here we are our second loss in a row now and and it's Groundhog- and our second year in a row. It, yep, and it's Groundhog Day because October twenty fourth. And I didn't actually confirm this, but apparently, in terms of the date, that is October twenty fourth of twenty twenty, last year is when a top ten Penn State 
went into an unranked Indiana and lost in overtime. And it sent us into a tailspin. And it's Groundhog Day this year because it was October 24th of this year. A top 10 Penn State lost in overtime, several, to an unranked <laughs> Illinois. An, a, yeah. and it was a, you know, an I-state. Indiana, Illinois, I-states. And, of course, Iowa last week, another I-state. So, so it's Groundhog Day for me. <sighs> yeah. All right. I got another one for you. Um, the Hangover. Part mm. three. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, how many years in a row have we watched Penn State drop like back-to-back games or oh, we'll nearly get into back-to-back that. Games. We'll get into yeah. the statistics about but it, about how Franklin is and his losses and how they're either sandwiched directly next to each other or within three games of each other. We'll get more into that. But 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 it just it felt like uh it just felt like the the pattern was repeating itself and like but it's the, also the more hangover like, element is like it, you know uh, obviously self-explanatory. Which by the way, there's another movie where like the audience is laughing but the characters are not laughing like they. They're not having a good day. <laughs> like they were, tr- they they went into the day expecting to have a lot of fun, and it turns out to be an utter disaster, which everyone well, else laughs at. But well, if you're going through it, uh, you do not like what's happening. I don't have. Uh, by the way, and we can call that the the, the Hangover Part Nine for the nine overtimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so or Hangover Three to the Third Power. <laughs> so, um, nice. The. Um, uh, another movie that comes to mind, but it's not the title doesn't is not reminiscent of what's what happened, but it's something that just is so cringy to watch to me. Anyways, I cannot stand watching Ben Stiller's character in Meet the Parents. I <laughs> loathe. I loathe. No, it's, it's so true. <laughs> I, I, but so like so like watching Penn State do this is like you've got to be like how can you be doing this on. On purpose. Like, how are you this stupid? How are you this bad? How can you keep making these mistakes? Like, you're just <laughs> shaking your head in utter disbelief that, that that this thing is even reality. You know, obviously it's a movie, so it's not reality. But for Penn State, it is reality. Oh you're just no, shaking your a, head like, that's a good how? How? And you can't, it's like, I, I, my brain almost blacks out most of the game because it's just like so utterly uh, like incomprehensible that it, that it occurred. Well, and obviously that that's a comedy and, and, and things worked out all right in the end, but he gets uh, the girl. I, <laughs> he gets, yeah. Right. But I, he gets I had another movie that, that for me was very, very hard to watch. And I mean, really doesn't turn out. Okay. The, in the omen. End. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking Dunkirk. Okay. Uh, which is a, which is a great movie, but like the, you know, the, and the soundtrack, you know, they had like basically the same tone through the entire soundtrack. It was just sort of like yeah. raised and then lowered. And and they created this sense of foreboding and like you just can't get away. You can't get out. And like, uh, by the way, there's another movie where there's absolutely zero offense. and You're just like trying to play enough defense to get out of there alive. And for a lot of those um, soldiers, uh, unfortunately, many of them didn't get out alive, um, you know, uh, not to make light of um, you know such a, a, a dark day in um, world military history, but uh, it just it just felt like it was really really hard to watch that movie, knowing what was coming, and it was it was so hard to watch that game. Just you feel like you could not get away from the disaster that just and it took forever. Yeah, 
It took forever yeah. to, to for for the outcome to finally. How, the how long? How many hours? Uh, what? Uh, I actually didn't even it was check. Like, like a four-hour game, dude. Well, that seems like it's a low number. Should, I feel like it should be like three minutes, <laughs> like four and a half hours at least. But um, oh my um, god. And we'll get into how pathetic that rule change actually was, and how it just is not a good for this sport, in my opinion. But um, so here's all right. Here's another one I got for you. Oh yeah, let's um, hear it. Yeah. So uh, have you seen the movie Palm Springs? I have not. It's on Hulu. Do you have Hulu? I do. Well, I recommend you watch it at some point. It is, first of all... If it's it's anything like that game, I will never watch it. No, No, it's worth watching. It's actually really good. I I, I highly recommend it. It's actually... But it's kind of a cop-out that I'm using it because it's it's like a modern take... Uh, on on Groundhog Day, um, oh. where somehow that is he gets about, but Palm Springs, huh? But it, well, so what? It, what is different about? Uh, well, sort of at least different is is that um, Andy, uh, what's his name, Sandberg? Andy Sandberg's character uh, has been living this same day over and over and over, and it's 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 him and his girlfriend uh, that he, uh, go to this wedding, and it's his girlfriend's best friend. Uh, or no, his girlfriend's sister, I believe. I forget which. Anyways, um, Wait, it's got to be your bull. Your bull. <laughs> but it's it's his it's uh it's the, the either the best friend or the sister's wedding, and and she's in the wedding, and and he's just like out there, but he's like the boyfriend that showed up, and he has to he has to be in the audience and all that kind of stuff. So he's reliving the wedding day over and over and over and over and over. But um. It ends up. It's it, the movie starts with he's just in a horrible relationship, and they both hate each other, kind of. And it's just not. It's clearly not working out. Um, and so he has to relive that day with his girlfriend that he doesn't even want to be with, on one of her best friends' uh, best days of their lives. And he, and 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 after years, of, not years, but like hundreds of tr- like days of doing this in a row, uh, he learns to just accept that this is his existence, and he just. <laughs> He just lives with it. He just lives with it. He's not trying to get out of it. He's a, he's come to terms with it, and that's so his like existence. unlike Bill Murray, unlike Bill Murray, who tries to like better himself. Like first he tries to kill himself. Yep. Then he tries to better himself. Yeah. But he he, the, he goes through he the just, killing himself phase. But then he just is like, well, I guess I can get drunk every day and and li- live with this for the rest of my life. And he like accepts. Is that a good buffet at the reception? And, and there's the sister, the sister of the bride. Um, he ends up meeting and kind of like f- falling for and. And, and he just tries to get her to accept it with him. She she falls she falls into the same groundhog day with him, and like they're living it together eventually. And she's trying to get out, and he's like, "No, let's stay." And like, so, so quick question. So he, and like, so we are the goes, Penn State fans. <laughs> Here we yeah, go. yeah. So we are the Penn State fans that <laughs> probably need to learn to live with this kind of a lifestyle of being a Penn State fan. Because <laughs> it happens well, every qu- year, man. Yeah, quick question: Is that is that Palm Springs? Is that uh, acceptable for uh, for the young ones? Is that a uh, how a, young? You mean like yours? <laughs> uh, is that what you're asking? Can you yeah, watch just, it? Well, I you mean, know, we may have some 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 littler uh, folks. True, I'd say uh, uh, the Hangover is not as not. For no, kids this movie. is this is definitely nice. This is this is adult adult themes for sure? Yep, yep, fair enough. All right, well, look. Um, a lot of this has been avoidance, which is a big classic time. symptom a great of depression. episode about Penn State football today, huh? Hey, you like it? I hope you tuned in for this. Uh, and uh, so we promised we're going to talk about the Illinois game. We've already sort of touched on it in a number of ways, but um, 
let's let's talk about the the actual game as it unfolded and um, let's not <laughs> okay fair enough what else do you want to talk about today then <laughs> i don't um, know no um so look fantasy football <laughs> yeah fan- this is this is a fantasy this yeah, is football. A nightmare fantasy okay so but anyway um well, one of the things that that i think is is sort of an under appreciated uh, uh, about this past game, which is hard to appreciate anything, understandably so. Uh, the defense actually po- performed quite admirably, especially over the course of regulation. They only allowed Illinois to score ten points. All right, I mean that's like two. That's two games. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the Penn State's defense is still on a national scale playing very well. So, uh, you know, if if going. You know, into this game, if if I had told you, like, if you give give me a hundred bucks, I will guarantee Illinois score, scores no more than ten points in regulation. Would you have, Would you have taken that? Like, would you have done that? Obviously. I would have. I picked. I, you know, I picked Illinois to only score ten points in the game. I, man, you nailed it! I nailed it. You know, <laughs> um, and then you know, once we incomprehensibly went into overtime, they still held. Illinois to two field goals in the first two overtime periods. And then they kept them out of the end zone on overtimes three through seven. I mean, they gave, they gave our offense every chance to win the game that you could expect uh, short of actually scoring the points for them, (laughs) which they even actually kind of did and got taken away. Let's put it this way, Andy. There, Georgia is the, the 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 best defense in the country, and they are allowing an average of um, six point five seven points per game, which is absolutely unheard wow. of. Okay, and they've only allowed five touchdowns the whole season. Guess who has allowed the next fewest touchdowns for the entire season? Would that be us? Penn State has allowed the the the, the next fewest touchdowns. Yeah, then Clemson, then Michigan, then Iowa. That's that's how it looks. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean we're we're <laughs> we're darn good. We're, we are the the number six um, uh, scoring defense in the country. We're only uh, only out allowing an average of fourteen point seven one points per game, and that's and again barely, that was pulled I, up this week by right. going into overtime. Exactly, you know? exactly. That was pulled up after regulation. Yeah, if you go for with regulation only, it would have gone down. That being said, uh, I, I didn't feel super about the defense's performance for a lot of that game. And, and a big part of that was the run defense. Um, we really felt Mustafer's absence. Um, it was definitely, it was super frustrating watching them rack up yards. But, and there was a lot of yards on the ground. Illinois, as a team, gained 357 yards on the ground over 67 carries chase Brown, their number one running back 223 yards on 33 attempts for an average of 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, I mean, the linebackers were, were, were missing, uh, Tariq Castro fields was missing on some tackles. Um, and I don't yeah, not, get it. Not only that, I would yeah. say like, you know, I mean, and the announcers were saying this it was obvious. If you look at how they, I mean, their line was extremely close together. They had a lot of big bodies, extra linemen in there all the time. They were obviously you trying know what it to looked run. Like. You know what it looked like, what? right? It looked well, like Wisconsin. Me. 
It looked like not not this year's Wisconsin necessarily, right. but like Wisconsin in general. And Brett Bielema, very good Wisconsin point. coach. So he, that, that's what I mean. I don't. I didn't follow him much at Arkansas because who cares about Arkansas? But I am. <laughs> I imagine he tried to play that game down there a little bit. Um, that's just what he does. That's what he he's trying to have this team be a physical running team and be a physical well, at the point of attack, be a physical along the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And they yeah, and his were con- that. Yeah, his controversial remarks leading up to the game were really all about, you know, basically saying, hey, you guys are are wimping out on me. <laughs> You're not playing physical. And like, you know, it was a real challenge they laid down. I mean, obviously credit Illinois. Um, they, you know, they responded to that challenge. They they played as the, the more physical team. Now when, when have you when have you remembered a Franklin team ever actually being at least on offense. When have you ever remembered a Franklin team ever being physical on the offensive line? Well, I'll, I say uh, that's one of the big differences when Franklin was hired. Like Penn State went from being a primarily line play physical, you know, like hey, our our passing game is going to suck. And it, sometimes watching this offense will be like watching paint dry. And by the way, we'll rock out, rack up 400 yards on the ground and still only score 10 points in regulation. Like, that's a very Joe Paterno thing to do. Um, you know, and so what Franklin brought in said, hey, heck with that. Like, let's explosive. get a couple of explosive plays and win. And like, if our... Not have the time of possession to, to, yeah, and, to keep our defense off the field. And if we don't have a run game, <laughs> oh well. Like, so it's like, there's a... There's there's a bit of a pick your poison here. I, I certainly personally would love to have both. Yeah, it <laughs> would know? be nice to have both, but like it certainly it seems with Franklin's teams, we're not capable at least so far of having both. Now, um, I mean, obviously we've had some pretty good running backs come through the ranks with Franklin and Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, uh, even you could talk about Journey Brown. Um, but the problem is that we had a better offensive line and a better running game with a depleted offensive line under Bill O'Brien and a running back that was able to find holes with that depleted line in Zach Zwinek. We had a better rushing attack and a better time of possession back post sanctions than we've ever had under Franklin. And that's again. That's yeah. when, when we we had our yeah. we had a depleted offensive line in Bill O'Brien's first and second year, and and it, it was it was apparent. And yet somehow they still were able to block and be physical and still open holes. And we haven't really seen an overwhelmingly dominant uh, offensive line making holes against teams that want to out physical us. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at some of the top teams in the country over the last decade or so what unites those teams you know what's the commonality it's it's excellent offensive line play where like you know in terms of your skill positions it's a lot of way in a lot of cases very plug and play you know i mean you see that at alabama you see that at ohio state Uh, up to this year you've seen that at clemson um oklahoma it's just sort of like reload you know and partly you can do that i mean you can have a you know, CJ Stroud can have the season he's having in part because he's, he's, 
He's not running around. He's clean. You know, they he's have, not even trying to. They're not even. He's not even being forced to to run. You know, for for any first downs and yards that much. Like which is by the way what Justin Fields has done, which Troy Smith has done, what Bear, JT Barrett has done. Uh, all these quarterbacks for how yeah, to sit back there. Him. You know, like you're on vacation and just sort yeah. of survey the landscape and you know yeah, enjoy. We'll get into CJ Stroud and the OSU offense yeah. soon enough here, but well, um, your point is made. You know, I. In spite of how many yards this defense gave up on the ground, and, and we've been susceptible to to giving up yards on, on in the run game all season. Wisconsin, nonetheless, yeah, Auburn, um, Auburn, yeah. Um, nonetheless, we we held them to ten points. Defense did what they needed to do. Um, nearly the bend, got that the bend, but not break. They've been doing it all year. Nearly got that defensive touchdown that that we talked about before it got nearly taken back. sealed the game in overtime yeah. with an interception. Yeah, and that's the to me probably the biggest knock on the day is they they did have a chance to win the game. Um, Jaquan Brisker, who's been great for us, it's hard to criticize. Had a great game. Had a great game. Our best player of the day definitely was Jaquan Brisker, in my opinion. But after we after we went up by a field goal in the second overtime, he had a pass in his hands. He jumped a route, and he couldn't come down with the pass. That would have ended the game right there. Mm. Um, But really. Most of the attention, I, I, I mean, nearly all of the attention needs to be on the offense and and their inexplicable lack of production. Um, I mean, the last six quarters has been offensive futility. It has been it has been exceptional. I mean, I, I felt like a lot of the Iowa game was like watching the second half of that Illinois game in terms of like watching our offense outside of one touchdown drive where. <laughs> Clifford nearly threw an interception that John De- Jahan Dotson, you know, miraculously caught uh, and and came down with. Um, outside of that one play uh, and that one drive, like it was just impossibly boring. I mean, frustrating, completely absurd to watch this highly touted Penn State offense completely turtle. I'm telling you, the if, whole it, if it game. wasn't worse than the six and four Penn State. Iowa game, it is it is right there with it. It is right there with it. It was just so so bad, man. It just I I you you said you know I don't. It's like it, it's the the team that has been playing these last seven quarters since Clifford went down in Iowa. It's totally night and day. It's com- a complete reversal of all the momentum that that five and zero Penn State team had. It's a total reversal, and it's almost like I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel here right now. I mean, I, I would say if we were playing Roberson or Christian Velo, if we were playing one of those two guys and we had that game, I would say that sucks that our backup is so bad, but it's understandable. Right. What does it say about our two backup quarterbacks that you put an obviously banged up, virtually immobile Sean Clifford back there? For the entire game, where he can't do anything because we have no running game, by the way, you know, and then you leave those two quarterbacks on the bench despite Clifford taking repeated blows. I mean, you see him like holding his lower back throughout the game, you know, like he's an old man or something like that, and like yet you don't put your backup quarterbacks in. How how bad are these guys that they're not trusted to run the offense in such such a circumstance? I mean, this is really low for this Andy. offense to be in. Andy, 
so the, I, Illinois starting quarterback to start the year was uh, Peters. Is it, I forget what his first name is. Brandon, Brandon Peters, which, by the way, was a Michigan transfer from a few years ago. Um, so they started Archer Sitkowski. Archer Sitkowski. Uh, he's a would, transfer from Rutgers, right? Uh, maybe. I can't recall offhand. I think he's um, a Rutgers transfer. You might be right. Transfer. But yeah. the point is, he was 8 for 19 for 38 yards and one interception. He averaged, In that game? He, in, in the, the game, game he just played? He averaged, yes. He <laughs> Listen, he averaged two yards per completion or per attempt or something like that. Per attempt, per attempt. Two yards per attempt. He had a QBR of 20.7. Clifford had a QBR of 17.8 in the game. Okay? Oh, my good Lord. I don't know how. I don't know how they calculate that that way. You know, like Sean Clifford was 19 of 34 for 165 yards and 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 one touchdown. So somehow Clifford was so much egregiously worse than eight of 19 for 38 yards and one interception. He had a lower QBR than Sikowski. So I don't know how they calculate it, but if 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 I'm to believe that QBR is a is a stat worth believing in, that's really telling. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to make of the game, man. I really don't. I, it's, yeah, it's, it was, it, I mean, it, it, inexplicable is, is one of the words that, I mean, just, it's hard to, you, didn't I mean, even, you, like, you watched it happen, but you don't know how a team that had the, how did they shut, the talent they, and how the promise. Illinois shut down Jahan Dotson for basically the entire second half, more or less. I mean, he had six catches for 69 yards. Like, why didn't our game plan figure out how to get him open? And if he wasn't open, why couldn't we game plan to get the ball into other people's hands? And how come that didn't work? This is Illinois, two and five. Yeah. Like, I, w- I mean, it just it felt like for a lot of the game, and we're getting into the weeds that I don't really want to get into. We have, but like, there are all, it's all weeds, Andy. It's nothing <laughs> but, like, but weeds. It just felt like, it felt like guys were just sort of like, ah, oh, all right, well. Let's try again next time. And oh, let's try again next time. You didn't look like a dominant team that knows what they're doing. It just it looked like a team that was just sort of like going through the motions on a Wednesday afternoon football practice. Okay. So that should we get into the I mean, how far do you want to keep talking about all, all the game itself? But do you want to talk about the coaching? Oh no, we need to talk about the coaching because because that's I what mean, we're talking about here, Andy, is 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 the team going into this game. Like what? You went up ten to nothing, and then what? You had you thought that that was enough points? You thought that you were that, that you didn't need to keep working hard, or or like because it just felt like the team lacked any sense of urgency for the entire game. Yeah, and that that is again a um, a commonality with the, the the Iowa game as well. It's like totally. you get some points on the board, and it's like all right, we're good, and like the defense can hold, and we're not going to try to get anything going on. I mean. To me, the most illustrative part of that was when Penn State had the ball with two minutes left or so, and you're not running a two-minute offense. You're yeah. you're using the entire clock to get 20 yards, and then you punt. They played for overtime. They were clearly they were playing, playing for, for overtime. Oh, makes, that, that, by the way, that goes against everything that Franklin like does We've on a normal Jordan basis. We've got Jordan Stout, right. who can kick a 60-yard <laughs> field goal. you got to be kidding me. And you're not going to try to get in the field goal range? You're going mean, to be content? And, I and, mean, fr- and Franklin typically yeah. goes for it when there's like, he's like, you know, trying to get the ball back before the end of the half or the end of the game so that he can go and be aggressive. And he, we've heard, you know, that's what Franklin has tried to be for years is be aggressive. What? 
in the world were you doing trying to play for overtime there? Like, like that's the end of the end of the first half, the end of the second half, the end of the game, whatever you want to call it. Franklin's end of game or end of half tactics and 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 game management is consistently a giant freaking can of worms consistently <laughs> yeah, <totally>. consistently <laughs> we have never seen him he preaches consistency and he is he's got it he's got consistency with his mind-boggling end of end of half antics with with how he you just always scratching your head what are you doing with your time well, what are you doing with your play calls how like what? Remember what? What was it? That Ohio State game where where we're down at fourth fourth and seven or fourth and whatever, and and it was a couple of years ago, and he runs the ball. <laughs> well, that was, apparently was a Ricky Ronnie call to like, oh, we're whatever. gonna catch him. Catch him. I don't uh, care who did it. It yeah. happened on Penn State's watch. Yeah, and yeah, like, no, that's definitely vexing. Definitely that's vexing. Well, I mean. So I, and I'm not the, even a Franklin hater, but like no. this dude's got to clean this crap up. Like, have you never looked in the mirror? Have well, you never self-analyzed? I think there's something bigger than end of game management here. Although th- this is one of those games where it definitely, it, I mean, it clearly came back to bite us that we didn't have a better approach to end of game. But, but I, 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 there's some other things we need to talk about with Franklin. But I did just did want to add, like through the first five games of the season, um, Mike Yurcich has seemed like a guy who is always one or two steps ahead of the defense um, one or two steps ahead with, you know, creative game calls, look at Auburn execution. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, here for the last two games, the last seven quarters, basically it's like a, a completely pedestrian. Uh, nothing. It seems like nothing that's been called has been working. I out. almost like, don't there's feel no like that's a usage ad- problem though. I think that's, I think that's a Franklin deficiency with how to get his team out of a rut once the tailspin is even slightly, the chink has just barely begun, and instead of it just being a chink, it becomes a rift. Well, look, and it it's just- not. It's not both sides of the, the the team. It's not defense and offense. It's on the offense, and so I just want to like particularly Iowa. And who's the head coach during all of these offensive? Fair, woes fair enough. Fair enough. Years. But like, but particularly Iowa and Illinois. This the lack of second half adjustments. To to get something going in offense, to me, I mean, th- th- both of those teams, both of those games, Penn State's offense came out even more flat in the second half than they did Andy, in the first half. Franklin is an offensive guy. He is not dealing with a defense. Brent Pry has been the defensive coordinator his entire coaching career at Vanderbilt and Penn State. He doesn't mess with Brent Pry's defense. Brent Pry handles that stuff. Franklin definitely has his hand meddling around in the offense more than he does, if not entirely compared to the defense. This is a Franklin problem for all the offenses that Franklin has had since, at least since 2016. You know, I mean, look at the way we collapsed in 2016 Rose Bowl against USC. You know, we were up 15 or 18 points. Boom, failed. 2017, up 15 or 18 points against Ohio State. Boom, ineptitude, failed. And it's just a lack of the offense being able to play physical and hold on to a lead. And and we were up 10 nothing in this game and yeah, we were unable and, to and hold like, on to the lead and made no halftime adjustments whatsoever. Uh, you know, I mean, to, to me... It, That's a head coaching like, decision to not to, to, to yeah. change things up or not. It's the, 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 the sort of going for the jugular is something that we've often, uh, you know, complained about. It's like, you know, like, and, and this happens to me 
because uh, I'm a nice guy. I, I don't know if you know this, but nicer I, than I'm, me. Gen- I'm generally a nice guy. And like when I'm playing like my kids and say like cribbage or chess or whatever, and I get a little bit of a lead and I watch them start to struggle. I'm like, oh, and I sort of like pull up a little bit, you know, or like, uh, you know, my, my son and I play uh, FIFA on Xbox and, uh, you know, he usually destroys me because, you know, he's 16 years old. And he video, does not. You know, he has the he goes with the jugular. Oh, totally. 100%. You do not go for the job. Well, here, but, it, it, but those okay. those games that that I do happen to to, to be leading, like I, it's a, I, I, I can't do it. Like I just don't have it in me to utterly obliterate. My, so sure, so my sure. Own kin. I, I get what you're saying. You is, know. is Franklin doesn't necessarily want to absolutely obliterate every opponent he has. There's something in him that that doesn't allow him to to embarrass the other team. Save for that. Excuse me. Save for that Michigan game. Well, but I'm not talking about embarrassment in okay. like the, the killer instinct. The I'm killer talking instinct. about the killer instinct. Sure, sure. In a close game, okay, where you've got the edge, but you just sort of like let off the well, gas and let someone back in the door. Well, let and me it's let me show you the other side of that. We were frustrated by by how Joe Paterno also never did that. But the difference between Joe Paterno's uh, ability to close a game and Franklin's ability to close a game is. Frank, uh, excuse me, Joe Paterno would kneel or just only run the ball, but he had an offensive line and a running game that could lead you to that. He ha- he had the physicality of his on his team that knew that they were going to get two first downs to to drain out the clock and then they could kneel it out. How many years in uh, games have we seen Joe Paterno kneel it out when you're just like we wanted that one more touchdown because it would have it would have looked good on the stats or it would have looked good for the rankings and Joe just never wanted to embarrass another team but he still would win those games because he knew yeah. he could. Yeah, um, and I suppose this may be connected to the propensity that we've seen also for Penn state teams that drop a game to not just drop one game, you know, when, when that, when the momentum bubble is burst, when that, when the high flying feeling, you know, is sort of kind of that, that, that bubble, it pops, uh, you know, it's been a pattern that a Franklin team that drops one game after going undefeated for a long stretch is going to drop a second game right on the heels of it, either the very next game or the game following. So, you know, yeah, yeah we got ahead. some, I got some stats yeah, let's, here. Let's see if it. you want to hear them. Um, uh, yeah, may as well. it's, it's, um, and I, where is it here? It's from an excerpt from a blue white illustrated article that, that has a, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, these stats, and it. it's like it's the articles put put out by David Eckert, and it's uh, what what they're saying, um, what they're saying about the, about Penn State's uh, stunning loss to Illinois. And the first one is is actually pulls from Nate uh, Nate Bauer column, um, for, who's also BWI, and it says here. Um, uh, you know, I'm just going to quote him straight out, you know, and I'm just going to read it all because I think it's worth actually repeating here. Um, in total, in a program that has otherwise notched levels of success and consistency among some of the best in college football, particularly within the past six seasons, a remarkable occurrence has taken place. Now at 65 and 30 through his eight season tenure with Penn State, Franklin has seen a whopping 33% of his team's losses take place within three games of each other. Even excluding the 2014 and 2015 seasons in which the program was still very, uh, excuse me, still very much at the mercy of, of debilitating NCAA sanctions. The trend is that 
much more pronounced and puzzling. Narrowing the, da- the data set to 18 losses in the past six seasons, Franklin has had only three take place out only three take place outside of a back to back or two out of three set of circumstances. But why? In every instance since 2016, one of the two opponents was ranked and ranked highly. After Pitt in 2016, the 19 or the excuse me, the Nittany Lions got their doors blown off at number four Michigan, 49 to 10, dropping a gut wrencher at number six uh, number six Ohio State in 2017. The Nittany Lions followed with a 27 to 24 loss at number 24 Michigan State in the bizarre monsoon game, first losing to number four to number four Ohio State in the fourth and five. Uh, 27 to 26 whiteout game in 2018. Penn State sleptwalked through a 21 to 17 loss to a bad Michigan State team after a bye. The game was most th- that game in in 2018 was most reminiscent of Saturday's loss to Illinois. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I and I, and on that and point, I'd going. say no, no. There's no need to keep going. <laughs> you get it. You get it though. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, and, but even but even in two, you know, there's a Clifford led. Sorry, let me do this last one. A Clifford led Penn State team falling at unbeaten Minnesota, ranked 17th in 2019. The Nittany Lions made a game of of a made a game of a 20. 20- Eight to seventeen lost to no, uh, number two Ohio State two weeks later, in which Clifford missed the second half due to the injury. So it's not just the 2016 team; it's not just the 2017 team. It's 18, 19, tw- you know, last year, <laughs> obviously, you know, and and now this year he's done it every year from 2016 on. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, a, a totally understandable in the circumstance against Iowa, you lose that a tough game. You know, lose your starting quarterback, but again, inexplicable well, that you would come into to this Illinois game. It does feel like that sleepwalk game uh, what was that 2018 with um, that you know that that bad Michigan State team that we mm-hmm. ended up losing. You know, I mean, just just well, Nate miserable. Bauer. Nate Bauer, I appreciate Nate Bauer putting this all together. I do not know you personally, but I've been reading your stuff for a long time, and, and you put out a lot of good stuff, man. But um, it, he brings it all together here because it's like it's like what does it all mean? You know, how does it? What's the what's the one commonality here? Apparently, it's points or lack thereof. Because he says in every instance just mentioned, Penn State has been unable to exceed twenty five excuse me twenty five points in its second loss. On average, the Nittany Lions' second loss has been accompanied by just eighteen and a half points per outing. Even with the outstanding defensive performances in today's college football, that's typically not going to be enough to win. And that's the that's so he can't get his team back up after you know they, they, this team Penn, Penn State's Franklin led teams they know how to ride high until they're not, and then at that point they don't know how to get back on the horse rapidly enough to not drop a second one or a third one in last year's case or a fourth or fifth one in last year's case. Yeah. So really, I mean, this year it's like it's like. Wh- like you know, only one other time in Franklin's uh, tenure since 2016 uh, has Penn State dropped three in a row, and that was last year. So this year, with Ohio State on the uh, you know on the horizon this coming uh, Saturday, you really got to ask yourself what kind of team is is going to be showing up the rest of the season. Is it the team like last year that started 0 and five? Is that what we're going to see in, in this tailspin, or is Franklin going to be able to get his boys back on the horse to close out the season with some sort of you know pride left on the field for for the Nittany Lions? It's it's I don't know how to what to make of it all, but it's it's not well, it's not a it's not a, it's, um, not a, it's a it's more than a trend. It's more than just a trend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I would just say, uh, you know, we've talked about 
before Franklin needed to do some self-scouting in terms of his in-game management. Um, I would say this is something also like, you know, this is a liability. It's a, it's a pattern. It's specifically related to Franklin's coaching leadership. And it, it hasn't really changed the entire time he's been here. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good with this Franklin led team. I'm not, I'm not one I'm of the people who suggests that, I'm not that Franklin ought to, ought to be out of here, you know, not by any means. But, uh, you know, this is something that if Penn State as a team is going to get over the hump, um, it, you know, the odds that we're going to go undefeated are very low. The, the better out, you know, the better, you know, more reasonable assumption about how we may get into a playoff situation is that we can you know, manage our losses to just one against, you know, a good team in a tough circumstance. Uh, and so Franklin's going to have to find a way to, you know, get his teams to overcome an emotional loss, get back on the field the very next week. I mean, gosh, he had a bye week for crying out loud. And, and he's he couldn't three get his four in bye weeks, by the way. That's, that's not good. It's that's not, not good. <laughs> well, look, um, Carry that loss this through is, the bye week. They carry that Iowa loss through the bye week, and they they didn't pull their heads out of the sand. I mean, obviously, again, we're talking about the offense. I understand, uh, but that bleeds into the defense, man. That bleeds, you know, their their confidence in what the offense is doing bleeds into their performances, especially in crunch time situations where you know, like you said, uh, Brisker did not catch that interception. You know, like they weren't playing aggressively on offense. They weren't, and so on defense, that kind of shows in some ways. It's like you're almost second guessing yourself what you're doing out there against a much lesser talented Illinois team who's who has the momentum and and all the positive energy. I think we've spent too much enough time talking about this particular game and all the things that it exposed about this Penn state team. Um, the one thing that we haven't talked about that I, I, I'm ready to move on, but honestly we, we have, we have, this is the only chance we're going to have to talk about this. And, th- and that is the new overtime format. <laughs> okay. I got to say right off the bat, I, uh, Illinois deserved to win that game. All right, they deserved to win that game. Yeah. So I'm not this is not me complaining about how the NCAA, you know, screwed us over and right. if they hadn't messed with it. No, you we know, can talk about was, the refs a little bit if you want, but yeah, I'm I'm yeah, just kidding. <laughs> that, I mean, Penn State's been on the been on the losing end of of, of a lot of bad referee yeah. um action this year. Um but you know, for just for the record, that's also not what lost us the game. No, we had plenty of opportunities to win the game. Yeah, <laughs> but um, having but, that extra touchdown though, the called back in the end zone would have been nice. So <laughs> when we were in the middle of the the fourth, third, or fourth overtime, you texted and said, "What the heck is going on here?" You had no idea that this is how I overtime didn't. I didn't. Went. I misunderstood and, what the new rules were. I and just I went, all I thought that they were doing was what it used to be was in the third overtime you had to you still had to get your touchdown starting from the twenty five yard line or or field goal or whatever but once you got your touchdown you were forced to go for two all I thought they were doing was shifting that up one core or one one overtime period but so yeah. what are the actual rules well <laughs> and, and I'll just let me just say I you know I went to church the next Sunday and uh, you know there are a bunch of people there who who know that I I follow Penn State oh and, really and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> how'd they how'd they yeah, miss that, right? Yeah. You know, but um there were three people on three separate people and separate families who said, 
what was happening with that game? I didn't understand how overtime was like, I, nobody knows what's, what's happening. And, and as we saw it unfold, let me just say it is awful. Yeah. It is a terrible, terrible, abysmal way. It's like, an atrocity. It's, it, it, it's shocking to me that they didn't like actually field test this as a way to decide actual NCAA it's division one football games. It's like, uh, it's like worse than shootouts in soccer. It is it's worse, worse than it's worse than shootout. Soccer. Like soccer doesn't even like the shootout m- format for their own sport, but like they do it in some instances. I, I don't. I, you know, I would I, rather have ended in a tie, absolutely at the end of Absol- two overtimes, absolutely than to, than to do that, absolutely atrocity. So would any any team to, that loses in nine overtimes, by the way. But <laughs> I, I mean, but but like not not just for like. Uh, not just for like because that way would have preserved Penn State's no because it was bit. a pathetic excuse for college. It football. It was a pathetic excuse for college football and a disservice to to the to the way you have to prepare for for college football in general from a, a you know a coaching perspective. Like I can't like how do you prepare your team? Here we're going toe to toe two point conversions. You're basically saying let's uh you know play rock paper scissors. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels that way. It, or or you know, even worse, flip, flip a coin. Let's flip a coin. Let's flip a you coin. Know, I mean, what's the difference with like, why don't you just trade 35-yard field goals? Now, having said that, what was Illinois doing going away from the run that had worked all game? Uh, that was <laughs> idiotic in my mind. I, I, like, it, saved our, uh, it gave us the opportunity to almost get it. Maybe the 10th overtime we would have actually won. I don't know. The one time that they ran it, we did stop them. Yeah. Well, I but, but they, that was like a, I feel like that oh, was by more the way, luck than anything. The, apparently, they did this to like avoid injury and like I Art think Sikowski was lost for the season in overtime. I think he shattered his forearm. I just I just got the update on my phone 17 minutes ago. It was Brett, ugly. Brett Bielema announces Illinois QB is out for the rest of the season after breaking his arm in overtime. So if that's about not about about player safety, yeah, nine overtimes after playing a full game in the rain. You know, like gr- good call, great, great idea, and, and by smart, the, right? And like a part of what you're doing when you put the ball on the three yard line is like you increase the intensity. Absolutely, yeah. Like that's what is the goal line stand? But like it's just a surge of all the like adrenaline beasts, you got like left in your body, at each other with everything they have. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, the, the one kid goes up over the top, and you literally can go helmet to helmet like that way. You know, like I, where, where, it's. A radical miscalculation on the part of the NCAA. And by the way, on that Art Sikowski injury, like ABC showed that replay. Oh, too many. I can't. I dozens of times. Like, and I I don't even get sick when I see those things. But, but a lot of people do. But like, don't. When I didn't want to see it anymore, it was for the kid's family. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eileen was like nearly retching, you know, when yeah. when they yeah. were when they were showing. That's it. It was bad. So so I I just I think. If anything good comes out of this game, it's going to be that they're going to totally remove that, um, yeah, that travesty of a way to decide college. It probably will game. take a few years for them to figure out how much. That I sure sucks. hope not. And <laughs> and like and then and then there you go. Penn State will end up being the only team with Illinois who's ever played in a nine overtime game, the six and four but, game, and the nine OT game. Awesome. All right, we Great. got we got to we got to be done with this game. Um, oh, I'm gonna gosh, I'm gonna I, I don't I'm gonna talk circle, about it anymore. I'm gonna circle back at some point. I promise. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna shift to the Ohio State game, um, and uh, to do that, get us going, we're gonna start with the mailbag. Mailbag time. 
All right, so mailbag time. Love that. Love that little ditty there. <laughs> My question for the t- this, by the way, this is from Adam Wolf. Thanks for writing in. Uh, uh, he's written in before. Um, he actually uh, got this out to us while we were in the middle of recording. I miraculously checked the email and, and saw it here. So my question for the, and by the way, real quick, we are recording on Monday for the record. I just wanted to clarify that. It is Monday. My question for the two of you is, after Saturday's loss, how does Penn State correct course and go into Ohio State and steal a win? And, and, and uh, Andy, why don't you just go ahead and answer that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, I mean, it's going to take a miracle. It, it really is going to take a miracle. Um, I think you're right. <laughs> I think that's, uh, it's literally, you know, that's the only thing I could possibly come up with is miracle. It's, it's like in, in this, in the only like saving grace that I can figure out as, as to how it's possible is just how many head scratching uh, underdog unranked teams have won games like this, this season. And, and, and even though Ohio State has already lost one, I don't, you know, to, but to Oregon, who's a top 10 team now, um, that's the only way I can make sense of a miracle like this being possible is that that it's been a very strange year, and and heck maybe maybe it's maybe it's a, a thing of, of fate or destiny that that something like that can 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 still be possible because all the other and I'll get into to why it doesn't seem a, a, pro, a like a something that's even possible from a statistical standpoint alone. Yeah, Ohio State just seems like they got it going on too much, and I don't know what Penn State's going the exact opposite direction right now. Yeah, momentum-wise, these teams are headed in exact opposite directions. Um, you know, look, Illinois just beat Penn State. You know, uh, that's a that's something that I would not have thought possible. Um, Illinois had a, a a game plan. They made a lot of mistakes, and somehow those mistakes didn't you know come back to bite them. Penn State had a lot of opportunities to win. We were unable to uh, capitalize on those. Um, you know, so if roles are reversed. And, um, you know, Penn State comes in with a, a simple game plan that we're able to execute. Um, whatever mistakes we make don't end up biting us. And, and Ohio State somehow totally collapses and, and can't, you know, finish us off. Uh, you know, I mean, like we could pull an Iowa on these guys and grab a bunch of turnovers and get like, you know, 17 points off of turnovers or something like that, you know, but it's going to take something fluky like that, I think, for us to, to win this game. It, it it's, I think it would have to it's be going to be hard which, by like, the way, all, in all likelihood. It, 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 that's the fluky way of winning is about the only chance we have because that's how we won in 2016, and and that's just how it is against the house State. It's like we have to, they have to beat themselves almost, right? You mean two weeks ago I would have said, you know, our best versus their best, we have a shot, but, a shot, but, right? But at this point, I got to say it, it's yeah, it's not looking good. You know, yeah. um, I'm surprised uh, that that it's only a 17 and a half point spread right now for Ohio State. To be honest with you, because they're playing in the horseshoe where we basically almost never win, and and they always protect that that place. And they're just they're on a roll, man. But yeah, let's let's move on. He he goes on to say himself. He goes, I think it will need to be. Or he, I'm sorry, he says, I really don't think we have enough of a running game to have a balanced attack. He goes, I think it will need to be through the air and adding in different wrinkles, um, which you know, Frank Clifford will need to be healthy for that. Major wrinkle. Yeah. <laughs> well, our wrinkles are like the 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 um, Tyler Warren Wildcat, which are only for yeah. short yarded situations. The, you know, the other wrinkles, I guess, would be like if Jahan Dotson's throwing, you know, wide receiver reverse passes or something like that. But I think you know, we've almost ar- none of Illinois' gimmicks worked. Uh, there. Yeah, I, I guess maybe there was one. 
They yeah, went back but, to that I mean, well several times, um, and we, but, we, we, but we were ready mostly, for them. We were ready mostly for they, they just said, hey, we're going to pound it down your throats, yeah. make you stop us, hold on to the ball, uh, frustrate your offense, and that's what that's what they did. He has one follow-up question here, Andy. Yeah, uh, yeah what and is he, it? And he goes, um, also, what are your thoughts with Franklin? I know lots of people are quick to hate on him and say he needs to go, but I think he is the right guy and he's building the program properly. He goes uh, on to say, at least the first few years, he was dealing with the aftermath of the sanctions and it has taken a lot of hard work to get to this point, which I totally agree with. Um, you know, Franklin has certainly been building this program, I think, uh, in the right way because you know we look at these, we look at the games through the, such a such a magnified lens, but we don't look at the rest of what Franklin's doing behind the scenes for the program at, at, at large with with any sort of uh, insight. Um, so so it's tough to measure what Franklin means to this university because all we really talk about are the, are the wins and losses and how they looked and and what what we're ranked and have we won a national title and yeah. and are we going to get over the hump? And it's like there was a lot more to a college football program than than wins and losses and and, and obviously when the when the program is built the right way you could focus on just the wins and losses but you don't focus on how how much work goes into uh all the stuff behind the scenes but it, yeah to, and quite frankly sometimes quite franklin th- yeah right um a lot of times you're not paying enough attention to what's under the hood right you know i mean right. that, that those are you know, USC had their sanctions. Look you know, at Ed got- Orgeron. Look at Ed Orgeron totally, under the hood. Totally, he had a lot of problems going on behind the scenes there at LSU, and he got fired for it. And and he's probably going to be a little tainted for it for quite a while. And quite Franklin, quite Franklin, his <laughs> his personal life is in a little bit of a disrepair. He's been he's gotten divorced over the last two years. He's he's in the in the tabloids for. Seeing all kinds of other girls behind the behind the scenes, and even bringing those girls and their kids to practices, and letting those kids run plays and practice, and all this weird stuff. So, and when people are like, "I would rather have a, a lightning in the bottle national championship," and 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 as opposed to what Franklin's doing here, it's like, um, do you really want your team, your program, to be left in in shambles under the hood when it's like there's toxicity in there and everybody's only caring about themselves and only caring about the NFL? Like, I want a healthy program. Like, yeah, I will absolutely. take a healthy program. You know, the, yeah, the kids the, that are going to those universities need stability. They're still they're still young men that need stability, uh, you know, in those locker rooms, in, in their in their uh, facilities, a place where they can go and have brotherhood, where the, where the culture is good. And 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 the, and the coach isn't running around behind the scenes and and doing stuff like whatever. I don't know. I mean, I, even Lane Kiffin, you know, he, he's a good coach, but like he brings some weird stuff with him wherever he goes. You know, um, I was low on Saturday. I mean, I was super low. I mean, it was one of the more miserable experiences of my life, at least in terms of watching a football game that I cared about. Um, and yeah, I hated, I hated it. Um, and there's a lot that it's exposed about this Penn State team that I feel differently about it now than I did just a few weeks ago. But you know what I said last week? I want to just bring back, uh, you know, by way of. Um, you know, answering this question uh, that Adam has said, uh, you know, question about Franklin, and and that is just to say, perspective is really, really important. And I, you know, what you've just shared, bro, I think is is some really helpful perspective. Like, there are things that are more important than winning, especially winning in in the short run. Um, you know, um, c- couple things happened to me uh, this weekend, um, but 
with my with my own family um one is that um my daughter um has been on concussion protocol for the last uh two weeks and she's continued to struggle to to heal with that and like you know as as bad as i felt about a a a football game it's just a game, you know, my family's health is more important. The second thing that happened is that my son uh, was in an accident uh, on Friday night. He went with some buddies to go see Field of Screams. Um, it, you know, he wasn't driving, but one of his friends was, wasn't his fault. Uh, they were rear-ended um, coming off of the highway. Guy smashed into him, you know, at highway speeds and um, everyone in the car was healthy. You know, and like, so, so all the pressure that we feel about this game, like it's a reflection of the millions and millions of dollars, all the hype that goes into it, all of the prestige that we try to, you know, and, and the truth is like in the grand scheme of things, this is just, it's just one tiny little sliver of what makes life fun. And when it doesn't (laughs) happen, we were talking about it last week in the SEC, it just means too much, right? Like so, so yeah. let's not make it mean too much that we can't let the the actual like reason that the program exists just float away just over wins and losses, you know. Yeah, um, I've, you know, I've always hated those um, reactions. It's like, eh, I never liked the team anyway, right? right. Like, so that's part of like wh- how you don't you well, don't that's, yourself that's, get upset, that's right? emotionally and, un- unbalanced or emotionally yeah. like. But I also don't like like it's like I love. I love my team two weeks ago and now I hate them and right, they're a bunch right. of bums. Like both of those. Franklin like, had us back in the top four. Amazing. And then obviously he loses two and everyone's like completely off the Franklin bandwagon. Um, you know, part of, part of our, like, you know, our call to grow into mature human beings is that we've, <laughs> Oh I mean, man, we are just teaching people lessons today and last hey, week too, man. I'm I love kind of putting my, I'm we, kind of putting my other hat on people to be bringing these <laughs> lessons to you. Well, but look, look, I mean, no, you're not wrong, but like to be able to care deeply about something and then not like lose your crap when it you know, when it goes poorly, like to kind of stay in there and say, you know, I, this stinks. I hate it. I'm really sad. I'm it's really childish angry. to not see but, a larger picture, but to be able to, to hang in there and like stay connected with it without like, you know, wanting to blow the thing up. So perspective. Yeah. I like Franklin. I, I you know, I think he's got years in him. Um, and, and I hope he gets there eventually. Yeah, and this is this is by the way uh, a first for for Blue and White uh, Brothers. Uh, we have had two now a second entry, late entry into the mailbag. Both of these entries came in during recording, so we got one more and another another uh, familiar name uh, to be throwing this in here. And, and obviously, keeping with tradition now for the last couple of weeks, um, Joel Bettner has wrote in our the next true and false. He says, Andy, true or false? Our loss to Illinois is the equivalent to Michigan's loss to Appalachian State. I say false. I also say false, even it's though both, it's both better and worse. <laughs> it's, it's better. It's because different. It's to, it's to a power five team in conference. Yeah. And like, I think but part, another thing that we were saying last week is that, you know, these are division one athletes. You know, these are, these are, Top recruits and only, both of these teams are trying to win. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, all right, all right. 
Look at their running back last week. I mean, yeah. Chase, Chase Brown. Chase is Brown. Legit, he's going to probably play in the NFL a little bit. Maybe, uh, like, whether it's free agent or practice squad, he'll probably play in the NFL a little so bit. So are they, are they stacked in the same way that Penn State is? No, but like the, you know, these are these are not slouches. You know, it's not like we're out there playing. You know, and Bielema is not a bad Lehigh coach either, or whatever. You know, yeah. Bielema is so, not a bad coach. He's a he's a power five coach. Like he is not an App State coach. Like there there's more pedigree with with Illinois than there is with App State. However, um, you know, like I said, it's 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 definitely uh, not as bad as that loss, Michigan's loss, which was. But 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 I think the I forget what the point spread was for that Michigan App State game, but it might not be far off from what the twenty four and a half point um, yeah. uh, spread was. So um, now, any and Joel's answer for 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 what it's worth was false. Dear Lord, I hope it's false. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. hey, Adam, well, Adam what? and Joel, thanks for thanks for writing in and thanks for giving us this segment that probably lasted all, uh, too long again. But we got some some good lessons learned there in that segment. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of too long, um, we we still apparently need to talk about this Ohio State game, and we've we're we're ninety minutes into this podcast. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, um, <laughs> hey, yeah, I guess we, yeah. I guess we need to get some stuff off our chest and <laughs> hopefully, okay, let, let me, hopefully let me this just, has been helpful let, for others. Let me, let me dig in here right, right now, Andy. And, yeah, do know, it. And, and I'll just get down and dirty. I'm just going to tell you real quick here, uh, some statistics of, of, of what Ohio state's doing, uh, as of late. Okay. So Ohio state has the number one scoring offense with 49.3 points per game. They have the number one ranked total offense in the country, gaining 559.7 yards per game. They have the number seven passing offense with 352.1 yards per game. They have the fifth most passing TDs with 24 passing touchdowns through the air. The third most yards per completion with 16.11 yards per completion. They have the number six ranked red zone offense with a 96.6% conversion rate. That's 23 touchdowns, five field goals, and only one one miss uh, in any of those scoring attempts. Uh, they have the third best third down conversion percentage with 57.7% and the 25th ranked rushing attack with 207.6 yards per game. And to top it all off, that miracle way we win, Andy, that Iowa style of getting the ball away, Ohio State is the number four team in turnovers lost with only five. That's just a quick down and dirty on what Ohio State can do from an offensive yeah. perspective against, by the way, a defense of ours that's pretty darn good, but have they faced anything remotely close to this? No, they haven't. Yeah. Well, and and that I think you could flip the coin the other way. Since Ohio State lost to Oregon, uh, they haven't really played anyone either. Now, we have a comparison in Indiana where um, they just steamrolled Indiana, where we, we got away with a rather pedestrian, uh, you know, and defensively we shut them down. But we, we also played that game at four home. To seven. We played that game yeah. at home, by the way, too. And that was our, by the way, that's Ohio State's last win this past week against Indiana. Our last win was three weeks ago against Indiana, and and they they played Ohio excuse me Ohio State played Indiana away. So if you want to compare, you know the the, the these this team um, to to their to these last games against Indiana, just remember that we played ours at home and they played theirs at, at Indiana. Um, you know C.J. Stroud is someone who again after that Oregon game, people kind of stopped talking about. Um, you know he he didn't look 
particularly sharp um, early on in the season, but you know he is. I, I mean, now- he actually did. He just there was. I think it was the defense that made him. His own defense made him look bad because they lost to Oregon and and they just for some reason the quarterback gets the brunt of all the criticism for and well and, and he, he wasn't. He was a little injured in that game too. I think. Sure. Right? Yeah, he went out yeah. and took the next week off. Yeah, and people are like, "Oh, maybe you know, maybe their Kyle backup McCord, Kyle McCord yeah. is going to end up being the starter." Well, guess what? Uh, since that game, what is who was it? Tulane or uh, Tulsa or someone like that? Oh, uh, forget. Since that game, he came back in. Um, he, last three games, sixty-two for eighty-four passing. We, no, that's, this I, is over the that, last three games, by the way. That that's what I was. That's oh, what I just said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, over the last three games. 62 for 84, over a thousand yards passing, 14 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Yeah, all blowout wins for the Buckeyes there too. They they've, they've um, scored 50 points or more in the la- in their last four games. Yeah, so uh, they they've scored over 500 yards for six consecutive games. Exactly. <laughs> he he in, in the Indiana game he you know, had a comfortable three quarters of, of throwing twenty one for twenty eight for uh, two hundred sixty yards and four touchdowns and then the, then their backup quarterbacks two of them came in and, and they had completed I think seven for nine for almost hundred yards so so even their backups came in and had decent decent showings and by the way Clifford against Indiana was seventeen of thirty three for and, and uh, by the way a a healthy Clifford seventeen of thirty three for one hundred seventy eight yards three touchdowns in an interception so not yeah, not so, terrible but certainly not dominant by any stretch so we we were talking about movie titles for that illinois game like if this is a trailer for the ohio state game this is like a trailer for a horror movie mm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. And not like one of those like intelligent like thrillers like a quiet place or something like that this is no, this like is, this, this is a slasher movie where yeah, this is a nightmare be- on 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 <laughs> Elm Street uh, style stuff for sure. Oh my gosh! And you our know, worst just... and our worst nightmares are, are coming true, and we haven't been able to. Get, we haven't woken up yet. That's what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, getting moving back to what <laughs> we're talking about, Ohio State. Um, so you know, the the running back Travion Henderson is, and and even Mion Williams, the two of them combined for you know a hundred and. 40 yards on like the 15 carries. <laughs> like they don't even have, yes. they don't even have to rely on their running backs who are both studs and are, are averaging, you know, upwards of six plus yards per, per carry. I, I'm not, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but like, you know, they, they average almost 10 yards per carry between the two of them against Indiana. And Indiana I mean, has the, like a deep, the, decent defense. The only way we win this game is going to be like, Independence Day, you know, the uh, old Bill Pullman movie with Will Smith, <laughs> where like the overwhelming force of the alien invaders it somehow yeah. like you, you find like their their like single weakness and somehow exploit it like, I, you know, they are it, not I, showing themselves to have weaknesses at this point. They have they have shored up the problems that everybody thought they had, uh, you know, in the first few games of the season. They have shored yeah. them up both on on offense and defense and and you know it they're playing their best defense of the year right now the Hoosiers finished that game with 128 total yards it was the fewest for an Ohio State opponent this entire season and and they had two two games back-to-back weeks against Oregon and Tulsa where they gave up over 500 yards and and now and now uh, the Ohio State defense has allowed an average of 259.5 yards in its last four games so 
you know, they only off, they only gave up 128 uh, 128 yards to Indiana, whereas Penn State gave up 264, um, which yeah. is over double what OSU gave up. So, Andy, we're dealing with a team who's hitting on all firing as as Captain uh, or as Scotty would say, firing on all thrusters. You know, and actually, I think that's a Bones line <laughs> in Star Trek Four. He says uh, Spock's not exactly firing on all thrusters. <laughs> so, so this this Ohio State team is definitely killing it right now, and they are catching us at what could be our absolute worst timing. Um, our Joel, to to go back to something Joel has said to to the group um, in in our text conversation, it's like you know Ohio State's coaches have been able to, you know, understand their strengths and understand their weaknesses and, and, and get better at both. Whereas Penn State's weaknesses become more glaring and our strengths have become stagnant. So, you know, and, and again, you could talk about, you know, um, you know, the hard breaks with injuries and all that kind of stuff. And it definitely plays a role, but like the, the facts are the facts. Like our passing game looked like terrible against a very bad Illinois team, um, you know. At least leading into that game, they, they had the twelfth ranked defense going in the Big Ten going into that game, and Illinois handled every aspect of our offense. You know, so yeah. it it's so look, we gotta we gotta bring this thing in for a landing. That's um, fine. Uh, um, let's uh, let's just talk about quote unquote predictions. I'm not going to ask you for a score, but um, th- here's the thing. If we, if we somehow, if, if, if we somehow manage to beat Ohio State, our season's back on track, man. You know, it's college football. Anything can happen every week. Yeah, I mean, if the, we the win problem out, is, if we the win problem out, is, go ahead. Hold on. The problem is, like, all too often, Penn State's been on the receiving end of the underdog win. You know, where where we're the one who's who's taking the loss, and very rarely are we on the on the giving end of the underdog win. Where you know, other than that, twenty sixteen Ohio State game, right? That yeah, you know. So, um, you know, that was a two loss season right there, and you know, we ended up going to the championship game. Our, our season's back on track. It, we still need help to get to the uh, to the playoff. Um, we still uh, yeah, need help, help even to get into be, the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, no, it's all about. But the we're Big back Ten on track with a win, right? We're back. I mean, on we're track. on. We're 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 in, back. I, you know, <laughs> sadly, you know, our two, you know, our two losses. We have one. Both of our losses are to the a crossover uh, division, like Illinois and Iowa. So so you know, <laughs> if we ran the table, we'd have you know have won all of our games in the Big Ten East. Sadly. Um, that's not the way the Big Ten breaks down its its East and West champions by East and West division records, you know. So so we have <laughs> we could run the table, but we would still need Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State to lose two each because they go by conference record, not division record, which is by the way stupid because. You know, we we played Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois in our crossover um, games this year, which are you know Iowa and Wisconsin are two incredibly difficult crossover opponents, especially traditionally speaking. Yeah, historically they're the and, two best and teams what, in the West. What's, what's Ohio State's best uh, crossover game? It's Nebraska. That's their t- no. That's toughest. their that's their protected. That's the protected, but they're that's their this year. The best one was probably Minnesota. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's because they also play Nebraska. They play Nebraska and then they play Purdue this year. That's right. So, but I mean, like, look at that. Penn State gets Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. And and you'd say that that's a pretty, you know, minus Illinois, it's a pretty tough slate across the division. Um, But I I think, you know, if you you ask to ask yourself honestly, if Ohio State was going to lose to Nebraska, Minnesota, or Purdue, you'd have to say absolutely not. You know, like they're going to win all three of those games. So, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird to get those kinds of crossover slates, and it's just a yeah, little. But then, it's a, but then those the wins for those crossover slates uh, play into your standing within the division, within right? your own division. It makes it kind of yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. So, Agreed. Um, look, that th- that said, point is moot if we can't get back to find a way to win Ohio state. And, um, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a really, really tall order. I mean, Ohio state is flying high. Penn state is, you know, headed, you know, downhill toward the ravine at record pace. Um, we've got a banged up quarterback, apparently nobody behind him that can take the reins with any hope of success. We've got zero running game and we've got a defense that as good as they've been playing, isn't scoring a lot of points for us. <laughs> and we're running into the basically number one offense in almost any category. Uh, is, we've not played anyone like Ohio state this year. So it is super it, curious to me, Andy, that, that, that a, a banged up Clifford and I, we probably should talk about this earlier, but a banged up Clifford is better. We're better off with a banged up Clifford than we are a four star quarterback, you know, which is also Taquan Roberson was a four star quarterback coming out of yeah, high school. Yeah. So, so you're telling me after three years of trying to get that kid going, you couldn't spend two weeks with a with a with a healthy Taquan Roberson to get him prepared to be a a better option for us against Illinois than a clearly clearly banged up and a liability and in, in, in ultimately speaking yeah that's a that's a coaching decision that i you can obviously hindsight is 2020 second guess that but it it looked to to bit us in the butt man and i it's just like is clifford going to be healthy yeah. for ohio state and if he's not yeah i mean he took not, a lot of hits if he gets knocked he took a out lot of hits. if he gets knocked out on ohio state you don't even give uh, like take on roberson a home game against a two and five Illinois to prepare for the, for coming into Ohio State, like that's just bad. Yeah. That's uh, bad, man. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. I'm back to that coaching decision, right? Whether right. it's a decision you know that came back to bite you, or whether it's the lack of preparation for the backup quarterbacks or whatever. So when um, we talk about uh, you know getting yeah. a prediction in for this game, man, dude, <laughs> yeah. dude, putting a pr- prediction in for this game is harder than putting a prediction in for the Illinois game. I thought it was hard enough saying, oh, who is going to be quarterback for Illinois? And I was like, oh, if it's take on Roberson, 24 to 10. And then I was like, well, if Clifford's going to play, woo, awesome. Like, here we go. But obviously I thought that he was going to be healthy if he was going to play, but he was not. And, yeah, to, and to me, to me, the, the questions worth predicting are um, how soon does Ohio State put their backup quarterback in? No, how soon does Penn State put their backup quarterback in? That's <laughs> which, really which team. Which teams which is teams first, backup? right? Yeah, <laughs> which team? And if I had to put money on it, I'm right. going to put money on Taquan Roberson having to get put in long before their backup quarterback because I think because Sean Clifford's going to get gonna destroyed. Get hurt. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, can't. Blo- they, their they, defensive they some... line is had 14 tackles for a loss in the game against uh, uh, Indiana. 14 tackles for a loss. So, so if our offensive line thinks that they can block that, like, yeah, watch Clifford out. is going to get hammered. And that the other even, question, 
That doesn't the even, that doesn't even that take have, into account the, kind, the, 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 the hits after passes, which Clifford, by the way, has been susceptible all year. And in fact, that's oh, yeah. how this all, all happened. So, so the, the second question is, um, how big will Ohio State's margin of victory be? And can we keep it, quote unquote, respectable? <sighs> right? I mean, 17 and a half is way too. I'm taking, I'd have to take Ohio State on the 17 and a half because I don't think Penn State can muster the offense to we keep let's it put it this way. Score. I don't, I don't think Penn State can score over 20 points, and I don't think we'll stop Ohio State from scoring more than 40. You know, yeah, I, I think that's, re- I think that's very reasonable. I, I mean, again, unless the Defense is scoring points like multiple pick sixes, yeah. or scoop and scores. And I'm I not don't... even trying to poop on our our Penn State no. Nittany Lions. No, I'm not. Ohio State just... just looks that good. Yeah, they just look that good. And, and I mean, we I, can't do it against Illinois. Like you're kidding I mean, yourself. I'm not a, I'm not a, Ohio State a fan State. by any means, but like, uh, and who knows what's going to happen? I would love Penn State to somehow pull out a victory. I will uh. take it, no matter how cheap it it, uh. it is on paper. <laughs> but um. I mean, it's really fascinating to think about this Ohio State offense, the way they're rolling against that Georgia defense, the way yeah. they're That's built point. to see them, you know, meet up in number the, one uh, offense the versus number two, number one, excuse me, number um, one offense versus number one defense. Um, yeah, man, that would be. I mean, the who sad, else can stop the Ohio sad State part right is, now? <laughs> the sad part is that CJ Stroud is a freshman. Oh, duh, even still, and even their their two running backs are freshmen too. They're not no, going anywhere. Just, no, it's sad. Uh, Franklin should get out while he can. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't oh, know. Man, it, just it's probably it's probably if, if that if he does leave, if he does leave, like I I I don't necessarily know that the the, gra- the grass is greener for us, but uh, but maybe maybe we could find a way to 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 get through it and, and be better for it. But uh, there there will be someone out there, no doubt. Um, but you know, I, I do like what Franklin's done. It's it's a tough road here in the Big Ten East. Once we get to a twelve team playoff, um, will we have a better path? Definitely. But Franklin's still got some work to do on his own approach, uh, even to get us there into a top twelve um, regularly. I, here's my third question um, for this game uh, before we just sort of put it to bed and throw numbers out there and cross our fingers and hope we're, we're not going to throw numbers out there. But like, <laughs> okay. to me, the question is, will we put a stake in the ground starting this game for the remainder of the season? Or are we going to put our tails between our legs and, you know, revert to 2020 form? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sad to think about. That's where we are here, you know, from, yeah, we were definitely ranked too high at four, at number four. It was a product of 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 all the other teams ranked in front of us, just you know, f- you know, flying off the board with losses. But we didn't we didn't do any do much to prove uh, that we were a top four team, really. Um, when it's all said and done, so it's really right now. It's this team still has growth to do, and can they do it without losing, like, getting off the rails? That's that's really yeah, what I exactly. think has to happen here. Is growth exactly. still has to occur right now yep. on the, within this team? Look, a two loss season, even a three loss season. There's a lot uh, that's respectable about that. You go below you four know, losses, and it's you're going to get for sure some I, but, but, some yeah, loud I mean, we, voices. We definitely. Definitely risk going off the rails here, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna take some real focus by this team and by these coaches, regardless of the outcome. It's take of some this real game. guts and some real, you know, just, leadership. Yeah, leadership for sure, absolutely. And I know that they, there is leadership on this team. It's just you gotta we gotta see it 
uh, on the sidelines. You got to see it, it uh, you know, in the plays. And I'm quite Franklin. I want to see it from Franklin. I, yeah. I am. I. I. I'm. I don't know what is in his character or personality traits that leads him to just be completely devoid of of like. He just has, you know, maybe the, the cameras just don't show him in between, whatever. But that dude is more often than not in the in the most difficult situations, um, you know, in in the in games where where it's tight or we're losing. Franklin is on the sidelines, not engaging with his players, and has his arms crossed. And yeah, and his body language bad, is not it's bad one. body language. But but that that to me that's indicative of this whole like. He is tries to be an even keeled, process driven guy, and and it's just like I don't know if that helps his team have a certain a more a heightened sense of urgency in the moments where you need urgency. You can't just be even keeled at all times. Sure, that's great in like a, a thirty year like marriage. Or forty year marriage, or fifty well, year marriage. Hey, maybe he but, wants a thirty year marriage with Penn State, and that's but, what he needs. But, he, but but in order to win against you know the the big dogs, you got to show some fire, and you got to get your players fired up on the sideline to have that sense of urgency. Like go out there and knock someone's head off. Like do you go think play he's maybe like, like heads on hairs on fire? Do you think maybe he's like Bruce Banner? Like dude, an eighty three year old um, J- Joe Paterno. Had more fire on the sidelines when his team was losing than Franklin does. But you could, when Franklin's th- no, team is scoring no, points and having fun, he'll jump around like, and chest bump and all that stuff. But an 83-year-old uh, Joe Paterno had has more fire in his pinky than Franklin does when he's losing. You can see Franklin's excitement when when they're winning. Like you can, he is a passionate guy, and I, I just wonder, like, is is he kind of like a Bruce Banner, where it's like if he lets that negative motion emotion get a hold of him, it's bad, and like the only way that he can avoid that is to keep a lid on it, because you you, you know there, there is something there, and I just wonder what it's going to take to trigger that Hulk you know, inside of him, uh, and may, maybe it won't be good, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. Um, you'd, you'd like to see something coming from the coach that's gonna, gonna motivate the team, you know, from the top down to kind of like snap them out of their, um, you know, whatever it is that's keeping them in that days. Well, look, We've talked about this. Is how is this our longest podcast of the season that we ended up talking about a loss pretty and obvious an impending why. disaster? <laughs> I mean, we're so terribly undisciplined here. Um, we're going to be done for today, and um, I'd like to say for all of you who are still listening, tuned in, <laughs> thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, stick with um, the team. Uh, thanks uh, for those who've um, shared the mailbag questions. Keep them coming. Um, continue sending your questions and your comments, and we'll we'll try to get to them uh, each and every week. Want to also encourage you uh, if you're enjoying this podcast to um, put in a, a rating uh, or a review on Apple Podcasts to help our um, uh, to help our uh, search uh, results move up. Um, we'd love to let other Penn State fans find us. Um, with that. Bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. Keeping it in perspective, right? Keeping it in perspective and keep keep uh keep cheering on your blue and white, you know. Coach, That's team, right. players, everybody. All right. Thanks for being with us. Uh, let's have success with honor and we are Penn State.
Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 